Hello, this is the Fam Electric Coast. We have Logan on the line. Hello. Hi. You can can hear you me. hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Great then. Okay, let me just start you off again. Uh, this is Fam Electric Coast, and we interview indie artists from around the world. We have the artist Lobin on the line. Uh, where Where do you reside right now? Hello. Well, I am Lobin. I am from Slovenia, right on the border with Italy. Cool. So we like to be able to talk to international artists. We've been talking to artists around the world since 2018. We've got over 24,000 listeners worldwide, and we welcome you to the show. Thank so, you. Thank it's you. a pleasure. Yeah, no problem. We were listening to your song Ghost, which we're going to talk about later, but we're going to get into um, um, all your music, and we usually start off with the questions that we sent you. So mm -hmm. we go right into that. So uh, when did you first get into music? Like what age did you get into um, getting in, in as a songwriter or just a musician? Well, I started playing guitar when I was like 11 years old. And right from the very beginning, I knew that all I wanted was like to write my own music. So by the time I knew my first chords, I was already trying, you know, to write some broken melodies, which were actually pretty bad, but it was a lot of fun for sure. So that, that's where, that was when I began. Yeah, so so you were given a guitar, your, well, your parents got you the guitar, and then you just started. Did you take lessons, or you kind of taught yourself? I tried to uh, to teach myself first, and then I got some lessons from a private teacher, which was, like, great, because, you know, I was trying to learn from books, but it was basically not the same yeah. at the time, you know, because of my age. And so, Yeah, so how long have you been working on music um, since that time? I've been working all, all the time. It was like 20 years ago. Wow. So yeah. Did, yeah, so you realized early, the next question is like, when you realized you had a talent for music, and I, I have to ask this question about the, when did you consider writing your own? Because a lot of artists, they start, you know, they're, they're in a band or they play music, in a, you know, for, for school in a classical orchestra or some kind of like, you know, stage band. Uh, and then maybe they got into a like a cover band but you, right from the start, you're saying you wanted to write your own music. So that's interesting because sometimes people don't come to that until they're in their teens or early 20s. Yeah, especially because it was like a bit different because of the environment. Because I grew up in a very small village. You know, there, there's very little people who play actually instruments and would like to play together here, you know. Okay. So I grew up basically alone in this musical environment. And all I had was like my parents old records to learn from and to get inspiration from. So I tried, you know, to start experimenting by myself. So who were your influences and reference points? Like, who did you listen to that well, drove what you like? Well, you know, my parents were old rockers. So I started by listening to Black Sabbath, Rolling Stones and stuff like that, you know, and Mm -hmm. Then with time, I started listening to the more extreme subgenres of metal, but it always started with rock and metal music. That's interesting. Can I, I hear some kind of like Johnny Cash, like definitely, definitely in some of what you're doing though. You, you, you in your write up, you talk more about the heavy metal and the rock, but I do hear that kind of Johnny Cash sound. You know, as a singer songwriter, you have that kind of vibe. 
Um, yeah, thank you. It's a big compliment for me because I love Johnny Cash and I love so many different genres of music. You know, I mentioned rock and metal, but yeah. I listen to basically everything from, you know, post-punk to metal to country, whatever, you know. Yeah, I think, I mean, as a musician myself, I'm a keyboardist, but I'm a real, like, uh, I'm heavily influenced by jazz, like bands like Sun Ra, uh, Coltrane, Davis, but I like to listen to bands like Who's Do and The Clash. And, you know, like, uh, you know, Orange 9mm, Joy Division. And so I'm kind of all over the map. You know, I'll listen to Funkadelic, but then I'll listen to, like, Jimi Hendrix or Led Zeppelin. So even though I'm a keyboard player, I've got this. I, I've always been a frustrated guitar player. And so I, <laughs> Great. I always try to bring kind of a, like a guitar attack, like a Nine Inch Nails style playing synths. You know, very aggressive synths rather than just mm-hmm. melodic. So I, I understand where you're, where you're coming from. It's like the way the world is today, a lot of artists are multi-genre or they cross yeah. genre. And they true, true. Things, yeah, from a lot of different places. So your yeah. writing style, you know, we're, we're getting into that. Like, what would you call it? If somebody's going to label you as an artist, what genre would you tell like your record label or somebody who's trying to pitch you? What would you say your genre is? Well, my genre is basically a mixture of dark wave, 60s rock and neo-folk okay most of the st- stuff i've done so far with my project loban is like basically neo-folk but mm-hmm. lately and uh, this is will be uh, this will be more visible in my upcoming songs I've, i'm trying to incorporate more dark wave and synth wave elements just start experimenting a bit more with synthesizers so yeah so when you experiment with synthesizers because i'm a big synthesis and the, can, the big argument in synthesis today is you've got people who love using like digital audio workstations, right? With soft sense and everything's yeah. like sample based. And then you got guys like me that are kind of like, oh, I like, I, I like my Hammond B3. I like my Mini Moog. I like my Prophet 5. I'm kind of a hardware guy. So you've got guys, that, and then you got guys that will say, well, I'll do whatever fits the song. Uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll use like a Mini Moog, but I won't be. Uh, you know, I'll go out and I'll use like, you know, Fruity Loops. I'll go out and, and grab samples. It doesn't matter. Whatever services the song. So, yeah, when, yeah. like, when you get into synthesis, are you kind of coming from, like, using a digital audio workstation with plugins, or are you going to use, like, real hardware synth? So, I use the DAW for recording, of course, because I record multiple instruments, like guitars, bass, synths, and everything. But I prefer hardware synths. Even if they are digital in nature, I still prefer hardware because of the hands-on approach. And I I also like to connect them to make those, you know, multi-timbral kind of stuff. And I I love hardware. (laughs) You know, I can't really deny it. Well, that's interesting. Because guitar players always, um, I'm very interested when guitar players go into synthesis. Because you see that result when you see, like, a guy like Pete Townsend is considered one of the world's best synthesizer uh, players. And he, he's not a keyboardist by, by, by training. He, he's a guitar player. But mm-hmm. the way he approached synthesis, he did very innovative stuff. You know, the stuff that's on um, Who's Next in terms of synthesis, very innovative stuff he did with the ARB 2600, with the famous synthesizer. He did all kinds of interesting things with envelope followers and, you know, random voltage generators that other synthesis hadn't even, like Keith Emerson hadn't even done it. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's always interesting when a, somebody on a different instrument goes to a, another instrument and then they take their ability. And the cool thing about the hardware sense is that all those control surfaces are like 
you know, your whammy bar or being able to pitch bend, a synthesizer, when you use analog or digital, you have so many control surfaces that you can mold the sound in very unique ways. And so I, I appreciate that you appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, of course, I agree. You can even connect, you know, the guitar. I, I do it many times, like, you know, you connect the guitar through the audio in of your uh, analog synthesizer and you experiment, you make yeah. everything possible. You know, it's, it's magic. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. that's what Pete Townsend was doing. He actually on the, the song uh, "Who Are You," he he mm -hmm. took his guitar into the envelope follower on an ARP twenty six hundred, and you get this kind of interval up and down. Um, mm -hmm. People think that's just a synth, but it's actually him playing guitar notes into an ARP twenty six hundred envelope follower, and then using yeah, a yeah. voltage generator to create this kind of you know segment. Uh, and and that that is something that he did on a bunch of Who songs, where he would take his guitar and then bring it into a synth, and then mm -hmm. use like like the 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 real um, analog reverb, like uh, like uh, like they would use uh, you know like spring reverbs, like actual real spring reverbs, not oh, yeah, from the tanks, yeah, yeah, and then like envelope followers and voltage generators. So yeah, there's a lot of cool things you can do with that. So I'm always interested in artists that are kind of going diving into that. Um, so for, for your DAW, what type mm -hmm. of DAW, which DAW do you use? I use the simple vanilla Logic Pro 10. That's cool. And simply because, you know, I, I grew accustomed to that. I've been using it for a long time and I'm so used to it that I, you know, it really fits my workflow and I wouldn't change it, you know. What's your preferred audio interface? I got a Focusrite Scarlett. Mm -hmm. so you like that that's that's working it's good for you yeah 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 so that's interesting um so you do everything on your daw and then you bring it to like a, a producer or do you bring it to a studio or do you do your, your own mastering and own production so for my synthesizer works i i do it at home i record them you know through the interface and everything but for the vocals and guitars, it's stuff that requires a better treated room than I can have access to at home. Mm -hmm. So I have to do it in a professional studio. Oh, so you'll bring your DAW tracks and give them to the recording engineer and then do like your vocal tracks, you know? In yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you have exactly. everything done by a recording engineer or do you take that and then do it in the DAW or do you let the recording engineer master it? It really depends, you know, first and stuff, I do it alone and first and stuff, we do it together. But the final mix down and the mastering is done by the engineer mm -hmm. simply because uh, I really don't have access to a treated room at home. And, you know, yeah. low end is really delicate and I have a big presence in low end when I sing. So I don't want to screw it up, you know, I can be oh, yeah. careful. Yeah, it's, it's important, you know, like I... I've talked to a lot of bands lately just because of the lockdown. They're trying to find ways to, um, because of coronavirus, where they mm -hmm. haven't been able to get to the studio. So they're trying to, you know, get the best, uh, you know, ambiance for their vocals, trying to build like a room for themselves and get the mm -hmm. best mics and stuff. It's still hard because, you know, there's, a, there's an art to being a recording engineer and there's, a, you know, an art and science to it. And as yeah. a musician, you know, we're artists in our own right, but recording engineers, you go back to the old albums in the 60s and the 70s and even the 80s, um, it, it, it makes a big difference, you know, if you're, if you have a guy, they're artists in themselves. What they definitely, do. definitely. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. So that's something that some people who do it themselves is like maybe have forgotten 
that you know that 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 extra set of ears and hands on the board is, is for whole, sure. Yeah, it's a whole other thing. Um, and even even as an artist, you know, you, you really don't have enough time in your life to to learn the practice of mastering and mixing properly without you know being able to focus on both stuff at the same time. You know, you have to concentrate on songwriting maybe sound design and stuff like that and you know for other stuff it's really people that specialize in this so you know i wouldn't even dare to compare any kind of stuff i could do you know mixing and mastering wise to someone that has a lot of experience in this yeah i've been farming my stuff out to engineers for a while uh i do do some stuff in my own original mixes but a lot of stuff gets sent to the engineers um it's just what has to happen to get it out there um Mm -hmm. So um, have you, do you play live in your local area or do you go outside, you know, tour Europe? How far have they been able to take your um, music on the road? Yes. Yeah, so Loban is my own personal project, but I have a full band that uh, accompanies me in live shows. And it consists of a drummer, another guitarist. I'm myself playing the guitar and singing. And another guy who's playing the bass and synthesizer. But of course, you know, right now because of the situation and it has been really tough the last few months because we couldn't even meet for rehearsals. Yeah, that's been a big problem. Like, like we're like some places they won't even let more than two people be in a room. I yeah. Do you, do you have that kind of rule? Because like, you know, some places like in Europe are saying like I talked to guys in London and they had a band and they, they had a rule saying you can't have more than two people in a room. So they have been out of practice for months. Um, well, is that the same kind of thing you guys got? Yeah, uh, in the past few months, I mean, at the beginning of the outbreak in March, we had a really tough problem because we couldn't even, you know, exit our homes because we're literally locked down and couldn't meet anyone. And now it's progressively going, you know, to be freed. But I mean, we still have a problem like if there are more than 50, uh, I mean, there, there can't really be more than 50 people at a venue right now. Yeah, it's hard to make the business to make money, I guess, at that level. Definitely, definitely. That, that's that's the problem. Yeah, that's been the big problem because, I mean, luckily what I do is, you know, what I'm doing right now. You know, I, I found a couple of years ago as a musician, as a working musician, you got to find other ways to make money. So I do like sync licensing. I do this podcast. So I was kind of in a good position when this happened. So I just ramped up doing more podcasts. I mean, I have another one at noon today, but, but it's, mm-hmm. it's it's just as a musician, you have to find different ways to do it. There are these online concerts, but I don't know how, how lucrative they are. Most of them seem to like, okay, we well just put you out there, but you don't make any money. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but it gives you a chance to like maybe do a, like an unplugged show with a smaller version or your band, or you just come out with your acoustic guitar or, or you do like a bedroom musician like me. And then you, 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 you turn up, you do a Facebook live or a Twitch and you just do it from your bedroom. Uh, and it keeps you out there. It keeps your fans knowing that you're still alive. But, um, yeah, have you found any way to get on board any of these online th- uh, things going on? Yeah, I had one, like, a small mini <laughs> um, online concert, like, to really be- at the very beginning of the breakdown, mm-hmm. I mean, of the lockdown. But, you know, it's the kind of online stuff. I think that for more, for concerts, this kind of stuff is, you know, more... Um, suitable to live performances because you get the energy from the musician from the band and everything you know which online while it's really great for other kind of stuff but maybe for this i don't think it's the same 
Yeah, for a full rock band, I think it's hard. I think like hip hop guys that can use like a CDJ. Yeah, or, yeah. Or a guy like me that has my big stack of keyboards, and I'm kind of yeah. a one man show. I can kind of do it. Um, but still, what I'm missing is if I go to New York City and play, which I played in New York and Boston, you know, I, mm-hmm. I miss that crap, that feedback from the crowd. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're a musician and you're playing kind of like rock or progressive sound or like jazz, you feed off the audience. And that's hard, something, that's yeah, it's hard to get that feedback when you don't see anybody. And you're just playing. Okay, well, I'm just going to play my songs and I'm playing it, but you don't have any of that. So, yeah, exactly. I totally agree. And that was like the biggest problem I had when I was, you know, doing this small con- online concert was like that I was playing and I couldn't really get any feedback, you know, because even it was delaying a bit because of the streaming stuff and everything. So I couldn't really know what the others were thinking, you know. While yeah. while you're playing live, you see you get the feedback from the crowd and everything. It's it's different if you're a rock yeah, I musician. I think they need sure. to find a way to kind of bring in at least like you know, like if you be able to put a monitor on your on your feet or something and see people yeah. hit, hitting the hitting the hearts or something. But that's not the same as hearing the, like the audience, you know. Mm. And maybe somebody comes up with an app for streaming for musicians that kind of gives you like maybe like fake laughter track. Like if people are hitting the like button, then you actually hear like a crowd. Yeah, that would be a great if, idea. If you did actually, that, yeah. then it would give like the musician a little bit more indication that people are are vibing or something. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You know, if you built that, I think there are. I just joined a, a like a collective that's going to start doing uh, some 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 booking. A booking agent's going to get me into some online venues. They're supposed mm-hmm. to get paid, and they're setting it up. But it's like it's taking a little while to get it the logistics of it set up. But yeah, I mean, we don't know how long we're going to be locked down, so we got to start looking into new things uh, and yeah. technologies to get us going. But I was, again, I was looking at your um, your your um, songs out there, Ghost. Um, the song Ghost, like I said, had yeah. this kind of Johnny Cash vibe, um, mm-hmm. and it had this dark. It's like a dark pop song. It kind of reminds me, you know, like Evanescence, kind of feel the kind of goth rock thing, um, but it's also got that Cash kind of feel. So maybe talk about Ghost and uh, how you how you came that, that song came to be. Yeah, sure. So Ghost was one of those songs I hadn't really planned, you know. But I, we got into this lockdown and I was really, you know, frustrated like many of us, of course, because you couldn't go out and meet people. And, you, you know, with times like this, there also rises a lot of uncertainty. And uh, I had a feeling that there were some kind of ghosts, you know, uh, living in my mind and haunting me. And so I went there, I took my guitar and I recorded it straight off. And I think I finished it in maybe, I don't know, one day or a few hours. It was just a simple song. It was a few guitar tracks, a synth bass and, you know, some programmed drumming. And that was it. And uh, I recorded it all at home because I couldn't have access to the studio so even the guitars I did at home and the vocals, unfortunately. But then I sent my track to the studio engineer and he did the mastering by himself. It's a really impressive track. I, I like it. I, I always like very sparse type of recording. Thank I, you. I, yeah, I've always been into kind of atmospheric stuff. Uh, and I, I got the vibe on it. I like that. That's kind of like it. You know, I grew up with college radio, which was before mm-hmm. alternative music listening to like the early new romantic bands like joy division yeah yeah and new order and depeche mode and 
you know, that old new wave, new romantic, they was kind of post-punk. You know, like you had yeah. this band, like the Talking Heads were a punk band, then they became a post-punk band. Yeah, you know, or for example, just, the, the Damned. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the Damned. Oh, yeah, that's a great band, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah Echo and a Bunny Man, all those kind of guys. But I just, I was like really into the, this kind of merging of like punk kind of merged into new romantic and you get, you know, the Duran Durans of the world and bands like that. But I, I always started with like bands like Yes and Genesis, mm -hmm. you know, being a keyboard player, I, I'm into these 18 minute long solos. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, you know. Uh, oh, but uh, so, sorry to interrupt you, but I was the same, you know, like many years ago, I just was into really into shredding and Ingrid Malmsteen kind of stuff, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so I or understand. Pink, Pink Floyd, yeah, or Pink Floyd when they had like, you know, a full side of an album, like a 20 minute song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, early Pink Floyd, and then like David Gilmore and Roger Waters start saying, "Well, maybe we should start trying to write some pop songs because, like, maybe all this psychedelic noodling is cool, but it really don't pay the rent." <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but um, yeah, but even when they did, like, uh, you know, when they did an album, uh, you know, like "Wish You Were Here." Or, you know, they did the wall. I mean, they still brought that progressive, like, they were like Yes, but they became bigger than Yes. Mm -hmm. They were the original progressive psychedelic band that learned mm -hmm. how to take those psychedelic aspects and put them into songs that actually people could understand at a wider level. Yeah, um, yeah. That it was not, not only for musicians. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just yeah. like they, they were able to translate their musicianship and and do what yes never really did i mean yes always was still a very very progressive band they had mm. the hits here and there but they never reached the heights of like a pink floyd yeah, um, yeah. but um yeah so i was lo looking at a lot of your songs like outcast bad guy devil in disguise and funeral of our love um mm -hmm. so are you working on a full album is that what's coming this year yeah, so first of all, I am about to release an EP with a new song that's coming out soon. And it's also very 60s inspired, you know, and new folk in genre. And we are about to film a new music video. And so with the new music video, we will re also release this EP, which will contain the new song as well as the remastered version of all my previous singles. Oh, so all these songs I mentioned are going to be on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're going to get remastered, so it's you know sounds totally different. And the name? Do you have a name for the project? Yeah, the project is Keep Your Faith. Cool. So, what's the target date for that? Excuse me. What's the target release date? The target release date is um, we don't have a precise release date, but it will be in the beginning of September. Cool. Yeah, we'll be looking forward to that. Thank you. So, yeah, that's awesome because. Um, so so how do you get your music videos done in this kind of situation with corona are you w working with somebody like a film director or are you doing it yourself yeah i have the luck that you know my label is in contact with a film director and he's one of kind of guy that you know listens really listens to what you have to say so i'm happy because he is able to capture like the soul of my songs and yeah, fortunately enough, we can meet now and, you know, for filming videos and everything, it's, it's allowed. It's just, you know, you have to be less than 50 people. So, but oh, cool. So you're actually going to go out and film the band. Yeah. 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 So it's not going to be like, 
like I could imagine in this lockdown situation, like in America, we're going to have a problem with getting worse instead of better. And so like I'm working with some people and it's kind of like uh, where your old MTV days where you'd send somebody a film director your song and they kind of interpret what they think it should be. And <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You, might not even, you might not even be in it. They just know That's when they, they splice stuff together or they, they, they whatever they feel the song is. And you kind of like, okay, well, I gonna, I'm going to trust this guy. I mean, I look at their work and then like, oh, I'm going to trust them and I'm going to let them do it. Um, yeah. But that's a different type of video. I said, well, you know, I, I have to do that. I'm working with the Swedish record label and they're going to do something uh, for one of my songs coming out. But um, yeah, I just, I, mean, I can't get to Sweden right now because Americans are kind of locked out. <laughs> yeah. We can't go to the EU anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we got our own problems. But um, so I'm saying, okay, well, we're going to have to trust this guy and just do whatever he's going to do. But um, have you ever worked with anybody that like didn't even have your band in the film? You're just like going to let them interpret your music and do their own thing? Or do you want to have videos always kind of have your band in the film? No, for my my videos, I've been always working with this guy. I mean, for previous projects, I mean, I, I produced for other bands in several different genres. And I know that sometimes, you know, it happens that, you know, people either weren't in the video or it was like really totally unconnected with the whole feeling of the song but mm -hmm. fortunately enough I've, I found this guy and I'm sticking to him because you know I think it's kind of rare to get someone that actually listens to you you know it's like going well, to the hairdresser it's great to have a relationship with somebody who's going to do the visuals and you're yeah. able to have a consistent relationship and then you yeah. get a consistent like um, you know brand image for your band exactly you know? so, yeah so that's important when you're a band to kind of craft that image so that yeah. you know, you, people know what it is. Um, and then you kind of go from there. <laughs> yeah, and especially nowadays, I think that, that that kind of stuff is really important because as, you know, some, I don't know, some decades ago, you were still able to sell music. Nowadays, you got to sell the whole package. I mean, the whole product. And it's not only the music, it's also the image and everything. So videos are really important, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. It's something... Um, yeah, the whole idea of being a musician is, um, you know, what do you do to, to survive? Do you go and, like, do features where you go work with other musicians? Do you, like, you know, farm yourself out to do, like, studio work? Do you, do you go and, like, get requests and you do, like, you know, guitar work on somebody else's album or bass work mm -hmm. on somebody else's album just so that you can, you know, still be out there? So what mm -hmm. have, you, have you done that? You say you work with other bands. So do you actually work with other projects and do that to keep yourself like busy yeah i've produced like basis and you know synth parts for other bands yeah. so and also arrange some tracks you know because some people come with an idea but sometimes it's not really well you know perfectly arranged mm -hmm. or it's maybe you got, you got to help them get you know that kind of bits of interest into their tracks and stuff like that and i really enjoy it you know because they got all sorts of other musicians that come from different backgrounds. And I think it's really important for, at least for me, you know, because every time I work with someone that, you know, is very active in a different genre, they, they infuse me with inspiration because it's something I've never done before. And it makes me think in another way. Yeah. I think that's great about music, man. That's why I do this podcast. Cause I've, I've, I've talked to like 40 musicians in the last two years, uh, mm -hmm. you know, multiple genres. And then went, after talking to some of them, I actually went and collaborated you know, with this lady and 
um, Los Angeles, who was actually an actor. Um, mm-hmm. But she had an electronic music project, and she's deep into like FL Studio. That's what she is. Right? She's in a DAW recorder. But mm-hmm. she, I'm a I'm a hardware guy, and so we kind of mixed our interest, and and we were able to to do a collaboration where I I've been kind of critical of EDM and trans in that it didn't, you know, I didn't think they had like full song structures. You know, mm-hmm. I'm more of a song guy. I like, you know, the Beatles and like Pink Floyd. I want somebody actually saying something, not just a beat. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was able to kind of cross into her world where she was trying to branch into, well, I want to make EDM that actually said something. I want to make EDM that actually are songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like synthwave. So we were able mm-hmm. to collaborate and bring those kind of two worlds together upon a 2017 project. And mm-hmm. it was all, you know, pre-coronavirus, but we did it totally on the net. You know, we just mm-hmm. did Skype. We did, you know, Google Drive transfers and data, you know, <laughs> and then we sent this stuff to get mastered. But everything was like a meeting online. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we Which were, is uh, great. I mean, technology nowadays allows for really awesome stuff, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're surprised who you can work with. I mean, you can... You can end up working with a band in Berlin. You can work with a band in, you know, in Toronto or a guy in Tokyo. Yeah. You can just like go bouncing back and forth. And so, like, I think people are, you know, there's limitations because of the lockdown, but there are also a lot of things that you would never have thought you could do. Yeah, yeah, and and that's something that I think that this kind of situation about the lockdown and everything will change is like the collaboration between the artists because when you know, not some time ago we all. We all knew that this was possible. I mean, that to collaborate with people from everywhere, but we weren't so maybe we weren't so used to it. But I think with yeah. this kind of situation, we got more used to it and more into it, and that this will become more like second nature to us as opposed to before. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that they create like some some of the dogs, like 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 Logic or FL Studio or any of the the, the big tool sets. Decide, decide to actually make workable online collaboration within the mm-hmm. That would be awesome, yeah. Because if they would take advantage of the tech, you know, the technologies like 5G and high-speed internet, you mm-hmm. possibly could, if you can play with the, you know, the lag time, have it so that you could collaborate in real time like you're in a studio. Definitely. And so if you, if you could do that where you're actually playing with a drummer, you're playing with a bass player, but they're actually in, in their own studio. Yeah and, yeah, and somehow you can actually do that level of collaboration while you're doing the tracks. I mm. think that would be very innovative and something I, I've been like proposing to people for a while. I've been talking to people, but the technology has been kind of, in terms of the the lag time, has been the issue. But um, I think we're going to get to a world, uh, you know, where the lag time is even more of a problem now because of Corona, because everybody's online. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah at, at least this kind of situation brought this kind of stuff you know to to the to everyone you know yeah hopefully we'll see something within the next two years i think it's going to get closer to that i think we're going to yeah, see yeah. let's hope uh, so 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 what do you think about uh the future of music and you know streaming services and how we musicians make money because now because we're in this lockdown situation most of the bands I was talking to for the last two years, they made the majority of their money by being on the road. Yeah, um, yeah. That their music on the streaming services really doesn't give them a good income stream. Um, that they sell more T-shirts, they sell more physical CDs at a show than they they make more money doing that than they do off of their Spotify. Yeah, yeah I, I can totally relate, you know. 
Yeah. So now we're in this situation. So what are your opinions on like what do artists need to do to, to kind of work with the, the, the media, you know, outlets that get our music to the fans? Do we need to try to renegotiate how things are done so that we can get, you know, a level living wage? <laughs> so, yeah, I think that these streaming services are kind of like a two-sided blade, you know, because from one side, they pay very little. <laughs> Let's be honest, they pay very little. And on the other side, though, they give a voice even to smaller artists. And, you know, sometimes when you were, some time ago when you were a really small artist, you couldn't get it to uh, to get your song on the radio because it really it was heavily redacted, you know, and it was difficult for you if you were unsigned, you know, to go to get on the radio and everything. But with stuff like Spotify, you know, I think it gives a chance even to smaller artists and you know maybe more niche kind of genres to get visible and to get some kind of public for themselves as well, you know. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think like I, I started on SoundCloud, and then from SoundCloud I got approached by some uh, podcasting companies, mm -hmm. and I've been podcasting for like four years. I was on one company called Spearman, but they went away, mm -hmm. and then I got picked up by Anchor, and Anchor is actually part of Spotify. Um, mm -hmm. And it's it's just interesting that my SoundCloud following generated me getting onto Spotify and then now I'm on Spotify with, with the ghost and all this stuff and I'm on this podcast mm -hmm. and it's just uh that's where I found like like the podcast <laughs> actually makes more money than my music <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that's the sad truth nowadays but, but that's the, just the nature of the way the business is but I use the podcast to kind of push my music and then yeah, it does yeah. make my numbers go up compared to what they were so without yeah. the podcast, my other numbers wouldn't be so good. So what it seems like musicians have to do, like sync licensing, they have to do, um, you know, collaborations, they have to do features, they have to do merch. Yeah, yeah, for they sure. Have, they, have, they have to do so many different things that, that, you know, then they can't get that audience that now, you know, the kids are, will buy a $60 Xbox game, but they won't pay $9 for a CD. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and so that's what like, well, can we get into video game industry and get our songs into these video games? And and that's why I, I was talking to some artists, and like the next big thing is like trying to get your song into Grand Theft Auto, you know, trying to get your <laughs> song, song into the next big video game. Yeah, yeah. They actually, actually pay more. Mm -hmm. You know, if you get your song placed in a video game, you will actually make more money. It's like getting into a film definitely. or a TV show. So does the artist have to be like willing to say, well, I don't know if I want to sell out. But the fact is like, that's where, where things are going. If you can get your, your content into new media, you know, yeah. which includes like video games, TV shows, you know, advertising films, yeah. short films, that that's where you can, you can actually, you know, thrive. You could do better than you would think. Um, Definitely. Some, yeah. Some bands might not be against it because the way that the genre that they're in, but but I think every band needs to look at it. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I totally agree. Um, and, so you know, they're, they're, I'm sorry for interrupting you. Yeah. I mean, I was just saying that, you know, there is always people who are going to point their finger at you and tell you you are a sellout. But in the end, you know, if your goal is making music, who the hell cares? <laughs> well, I can get my music, you know, out there, uh, whether it's in one format or another you're mm. still getting it out. I think all musicians want to get heard. And if you can get exactly. 
into a yeah. wider audience. It's like, depends on what you call selling out, but you know, it's just a matter of if I can still fund my, my more, my 20 minute progressive song on, yeah. on SoundCloud. And then I have a song that's more commercial on Spotify. It's like, if I can still fund my more experimental projects, I, I'm, I'm happy because like, exactly. One, I totally one, agree. Yeah. One set of fans will like my more, street uh, mainstream stuff and another set of fans like my more like indie progressive stuff and so they, they go where my fans go where wherever they want to go you know and yeah, so you yeah. Serve, serve your entire audience and you have micro audiences that yeah. might be there's some part of what you do and another into another thing that you do yeah yeah um yeah, so so I think I mean, I've been asking how people are handling corona but we've been kind of talking about it the whole time <laughs> yeah you know, yeah, you you so you kind of doubled down on recording and in in you know making new songs. You, you released Ghost. You're working on your new EP. Um, yeah, and I'm also your- working on new stuff. You know, like new music. And as I said, it's going to be slightly more you know dark wave and synth wave oriented. Uh, yeah, that's it. Do you find that because you're not on the road uh, that, that you're able to do things that maybe you would have not been able to do because a lot of musicians like if they're wor- working musicians they're you know the summer they're like tied up in you know back-to-back concerts and so they really can't spend a lot of time like learning something new like if they wanted to learn how to integrate synths into their stuff or they want to integrate samples in their stuff they'd have to wait till they're off the road you know uh, yeah so find having more time to, to dive into things that maybe you wouldn't have been able to no, it's a bit different for me because while I like playing live and I love concerts, I still prefer to have maybe a bit less concerts and a bit more studio work. I'm very studio oriented and I love experimenting with this kind of stuff, you know. That's cool because a lot of bands, you know, the way it is, like at least in the States, they, they spend their whole, most of their career, I would say 70, 80% of their time on the road you know, yeah, in order to justify being a hundred percent into music. Mm. Um, and so then they're, they're recording time, you know, they'll record on the road. They'll bring like, you know, they'll bring some tools so they can record stuff on the road, but they can't really dive into a lot, you know, yeah, yeah. Get back home because they're on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a different environment for sure. Yeah. So it's like, um, so it's interesting. So you've already put your work online. It's, are you thinking of trying to push online in a bigger way? in 2020 2021 than what what you may have done before are you trying to do more more things uh, online i've been you know working on this kind of online promotion stuff for quite a bit and i think that for this especially this moment that we live in right now it's it's the most important stuff so i'm going to keep focusing on that so is the, is the video, you think, the biggest thing as an artist? And like, you know, what we do as musicians is really audio oriented. Everything's into the sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but in order to reach people, we have to get into the visuals. And like you're working with a video director that you like. Yeah. So it, seems, it seems like there, are you thinking that you, you've got to put more into video? I think put the same amount into it, what, everything. I think there's a lot of, you know, public that would only listen to songs if there were no accompanying videos. But on the other hand, we have this kind of social media like Instagram and stuff like that. I think TikTok nowadays, where people just scroll around and, you know, they give they give maybe one millisecond of attention to what they see. 
And if it's not something that really captures like all of their senses, they're going to swipe around and swipe away from your stuff soon, you know? So I think it's really important to, yeah, connect with a video for sure, because it's, you know, multi-sensory stuff and um, it captures the, the, the attention more. Yeah, it's interesting because I've been looking into like, you know, the thing that was supposed to be really big was like VR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and VR seems to like the problem with VR is it's, it's too expensive yeah. to get a big audience. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've talked to guys that are into technology and are like really big on VR, but I'm like, I just come from a realistic point of view. It's like, well, how many people actually have the VR? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so it's like VR is the next big thing, but it's like it doesn't have the installed base yeah. of, of, a, of an Xbox or a PlayStation main system. Mm. How many people actually have it? So, so if you're going to put all your eggs in the VR, it's like, well, how many people actually have it? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so it's kind of like, okay, like it's cool to be on the cutting edge, but if the cutting edge isn't really you know, doesn't have a big base. It's like the same kind of problem you have with selling CDs. You know, you're not yeah. going to sell a lot of CDs in yeah. a world where people have Spotify playlists. Mm. <laughs> you, know, you, you have to know like where your audience actually is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you uh, do like analysis of like your audience and know where they are and try to tailor things to where they are? Do you work with like marketing people or anything or you kind of just um <laughs> yeah, what what's your strategy on that? Because that's part of what's going on today. To be, like some people having to drive into that kind of data. To be to be honest, I'm you know not really into that kind of data. I know it's really important, and it's a fault on my side to not you know take my time to care much about that. It's kind of like what your agent does or your or your boost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I leave that to my label. <laughs> yeah, your label is the one supposed to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. Some people, like, when they go indie, they, they try to take that on, but it's like there's a lot of stuff with that, you know, marketing. They, you know, guys are marketers like the guy, way guys are engineers. Yeah, and, and, you know, the internet is flooded of, you know, people and new material and everything. And, uh, you know, if you get, want to be to get promoted, you really have to, I think, have someone do that for you, you know, because otherwise it would be so taxing on your schedule. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean that's what like what you do is you got, you got to get a, a way to to get uh somebody to, to pretty much you know be a promotional guru for you. Yeah, and that's yeah. the agents and the booking people and the, you know like you got to have a booker, you got to have an agent, you got to have distribution network, you have to have all these things. Uh, yeah. You know if you want to really get in the game, yeah, or you got to like you know play the gamble that you're going to get a big youtube video and suddenly have that audience drive into the rest of your stuff mm. um but you never know because things can happen you, you <laughs> yeah. just keep, but i think all musicians do the work because it's not work it's like they love what they do most yeah. musicians i talk to they do it whether they're making you know money or not they just they do the art and art and then because they do the art they find opportunities um, you know, because they're they're so passionate about their art that people kind of pick up on that, and then you find ways to get it out there. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's interesting that you you're still working hard, and you're gonna have a new release in September timeframe. And yeah. um, yeah, we we love to have artists come on the show multiple times. So if you have uh, something you know that you want to push in September, if you want to get back on on the podcast, we can bring you back on. I thank you very much for that, and it would be a big pleasure for me. 
That's great. We love talking to you, Logan, and uh, we're going to push this out within the next hour. Thank it will you. be on 11, 11 platforms, including Spotify and Apple and Google, Radio Public, Overcast, all the big uh, podcast platforms. And we also uh, cross um, uh, promote on Instagram uh, with our Spotify version of the podcast. We can set up a highlight on Instagram that will go directly to the Spotify version of the show. And so we'll push that out. You can do that yourself as well. Great. Um, but um, we will push that out on our social media uh, within the hour. So, we, Loban, we thank you for being on the show. Everybody go out and check out Loban on all streaming services, including Spotify, who's our main sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but uh, you can get it everywhere. Um, and uh, check it out. And we'll have all the hyperlinks on this episode so people can check out your Spotify and your, um, your the other links that we found for you. Uh, well, we'll your Instagram as well. Thank you very much for your opportunity. It was a real pleasure and for the nice chat. It was very good time. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Goodbye. Bye.